Praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 139. I will begin reading in verse 1. A Psalm of David. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting, mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought far off. Thou compassest my path, my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful. For me it is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning, dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. The Lord bless you. you may be seated. For a few moments tonight, I, I want to speak to you about the need to be safe. The need to be safe. I read the news before I came tonight. I just simply got on the Internet and went to Fox News and just simply looked at the headlines. Over the last couple of days, I've done that on a regular basis, just looking to see what the news has to say. I don't read anything there that brings comfort. I haven't found in the last four or five months of doing that on a regular basis. I, I don't know that I have ever found a day where I felt comfort after reading the news. There's just really nothing good there. There's all kinds of murders and all kinds of chaos, and there's always someone uh, hurting someone else, and they've got a police standoff, and there's just one chaotic event after another. As a result of the chaos that is around us, it's very easy for that chaos to control us. It's easy for you and I to allow the world's pressure and the world's problems to become our problems, and they can cause us a great amount of stress. And if you listen to people's conversations, it's quite often that you hear them talking in very negative terms about how bad things really are. I realize tonight that 
We often think that God doesn't know what's going on, but I'm here to tell you that He knows exactly what's going on, and He is not shocked at the least by anything that life has produced or is producing at this time. He's very well aware of the conditions of our world and the problems. This need for safety is found throughout the Scripture. In the fourth Psalm, David said, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me to dwell in safety. I have been intrigued by John's writings about Jesus, and I have spent a lot of time in the last four or five months studying the book of John and uh, the book or the epistles of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and looking at what John had to say to us. And I, I began to be aware that John often recorded events to allow us to understand the compassion and the desire that God had for all of us to feel safe. When speaking to his disciples in the upper room the night of, uh, of the Last Supper and the night before his crucifixion, he says to them in John 14, be not afraid. Don't let your life be terrified. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. And he went on to express why that they shouldn't have fear because he said, I will not leave you orphans or, or comfortless. I, I won't leave you alone. I will always be there. And I'm afraid that sometimes we fail to remember that. We, we get focused on problems in life and we forget what God has promised us. The psalmist in the 139th Psalm, David when he speaks about God, he speaks with a sense of awe. I remember as a kid hearing many sermons preached from this passage of Scripture. And I have to tell you, the ones I heard preached didn't give me any comfort at all. They terrified me. Because they would always point out that God knows everything about you. You can't hide from God. God is aware of every issue of your life. He knows where you're at at all times. He's... He sees if you go to hell, he said, if I make my bed in hell, you're going to be there. If I took the wings of the morning and, and tried to get away, wherever I'm at, you're, you're there. And that can cause confusion and can cause apprehension, anxiety. It can cause all kinds of issues if we think that that's a negative statement. It's not. It's here to let us know that no matter whatever happens to us in life, no matter where we might wind up in life, no matter what might happen to us in life, God is always there. And He's never caught off guard by the events or the circumstances of life. There's never anything happened in my life that God was, was caught off guard and He said, wow, how'd that happen? He's never taken by surprise. He always knows every event that's going to happen in my life. Now, if I look at my world, my world would terrify me and say, Whoa, you, you, how can you live tomorrow? How can you think about tomorrow? Look at all the problems. But I find repeatedly in the New Testament that Paul admonishes all of us on a regular basis that the just shall live by 
faith. The just shall live by faith. I, I spent several minutes this afternoon speaking to a, a family that ha- has lost a dear loved one, a child, and and they're still struggling after months of that event. And uh, the wife called me today, and and she was in tears talking about the loss that she had, and. But she said, you know, today I I think I noticed something about life that I hadn't noticed before. And she started sharing some things with me. And I said, you know, that's a fact. Here's the problem with life. Life can only be understood and revealed by the conditions that life produces. If you want to understand mercy... The odds are you have to get in trouble. If you're going to understand comfort, then you're going to have to have something happen in life that makes you uncomfortable and makes you understand that you know I, I, I'm I'm in a, a vulnerable place here. Something bad can happen, but then when you get there, that's where revelation shows up. You remember what? Uh, Jacob said or, or to his the, the men that were in prison with him when he had interpreted their dream and, and uh, or Joseph and, and he had interpreted their dream and, and uh, they were going to get out of prison and his response to them was, when all is well with thee, remember me. When things are going well, we don't remember things. It's only when the struggle of life comes that that we start understanding the provision of God and the hand of God and that that God's not trying to destroy anyone. I reread the story I spoke a few weeks ago about here today and and I, I've read it this weekend again when Jesus in John 4 was speaking to that woman at the well In verse 15 or 16, he says to her, woman, and you and I would take that as maybe a statement of he was chiding her or he was rebuking her. But the word that he used there was not a rebuke in any way. It's actually a term of endearment. It was a word of comfort. It was like an older person would say to a younger person, uh, that don't worry or uh, you might call a child honey or whatever term of endearment that you might use. That were the term that Jesus used to that woman who was about to panic and, and she wanted to run because she was afraid that this man was going to do like everybody else had done to her and that was to embarrass her, shame her, belittle her. Jesus didn't do it. He went out of his way to make her comfortable enough that she wouldn't be afraid. And, and that's what God does for every one of us. He, he makes sure, he goes out of his way to make sure that you and I are not uncomfortable in his presence. He wants us to feel safe. And here's the reason. If you don't feel safe, then... Your survival instincts kick in. And the moment they kick in, you've got two options. 
Option number one is, come on, buddy, let's go. Option number two is run as fast as you can to get away. Fight or flight are the only two options that are available whenever survival shows up. The only way to keep survival out of my life is to be in an atmosphere where I feel absolutely and totally safe. I'm not worried about any kind of chaos. I'm not worried about bodily harm or danger. I'm not worried about economics. There's nothing that, that's terrifying me or making me afraid that I'm in trouble. If I want to be whole, I have to be in a safe environment. God understood that. God understands that we are, the psalmist said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He, he knows me. He knows every detail of my life. And knowing me, he has made sure that he has provided everything that you and I need to be healthy and to be whole. I don't believe God designed his church to be anemic. I don't believe he designed this church to barely get by. I don't think you're going to barely make it to heaven. Uh, and, and, and God doesn't have your cabin in the corner of glory land. When you get to heaven, you will walk in a victorious saint. You, you will have a grand entry. You're not going to barely get there. That's not God's plan. And often we have this idea we just have to hold on. That's not what God desires for us. God wants our lives to be whole. For that to happen, there are some things that must take place in our life for that to take place. And I, I want to address those for, if you will, allow me for just a few moments. I, I won't be long tonight. There are three areas of life you must be safe in. Paul said, that God created all of us in three parts. How are we created? We are spirit, soul, and body. Now, all of us quote it body, soul, and spirit. But if you read it in the scripture, it starts off spirit, soul, and body. We are spiritual being, we are soul being, and we are a physical, our body being. And each of those areas require a different form of safety. When my children were growing up, I, I was too busy trying to survive to really pay attention. But I've had the privilege of paying attention with grandkids. And I've noticed some things about them that uh, they are very quick to pick up whether the world they're in is safe or not. They're very well aware of whether or not this is safe. And, and you, can, you, you can go into any environment and just observe, and you can tell how safe that environment is by watching the children that are there. You know, often you and I get aggravated at, at, at children when children maybe play in church or they do things in church that, that, that we think may be distracting. But you really need to pay attention to them because they're telling you how safe the environment is that they're in. If it wasn't safe, they, their defensive mechanisms are better than yours. 
And they would be very quiet, very still, very apprehensive because they're terrified. It's, it's remarkable when they feel safe enough. You ought to pay attention. When they feel safe enough, then you ought to know God is here because the only person who can make you safe spiritually is God. I can't make my life safe spiritually. I don't have the power to do that. You can't make your life safe spiritually. It requires God being here to make us safe spiritually. And when God shows up and we feel comfortable, it starts showing up on our face. Now, when I began tonight, there was a little tension in the atmosphere. The more I talk about God and how safe God makes the place, your face relaxes. Now, the tension that's here is not from this body. It's from the world you came out of. You see, you spent all day in it. You rub shoulders with people in your world that may have irritated you. They may have been horrible to deal with. You may have heard conversations you didn't want to hear. And, and, and you have the effect of the world. So God created this place that when we come to it, on a Wednesday night, right out of the world. You know, Sundays are easier to worship God than Wednesdays. Anybody ever notice that? Why? Because you've had a little bit of a break from the world. You've had a, a day usually from Friday or Saturday before Sunday that allows you to get the junk of the world out of you. So Sunday, it's not nearly as stressful. But... Wednesday night, some of you came straight from work here, or, or, and, and there's all kinds of chaos. So that chaos comes with us, and God understands that. God's well aware of where you and I live, and so what does God do when we show up? He starts directing us in ways to make us comfortable. And the more I talk about God, it's, I, I wish I had a time camera and I could show you how people relax as you speak about God. And, and when you start talking about His goodness and, and God trips some of those memories and you start remembering some things in life that were chaotic and, and, and God stepped in and, and God took over and all of a sudden it, it brings great peace. Well, that's what the psalmist said. He, he said, it doesn't matter where I go in life. It doesn't matter where I make my bed. You're there. It doesn't matter if I'm on the other side of the sea. You're there. You, you are always, there's not a word in my mouth that you're not aware of. God's not offended by my humanity. God doesn't get offended by your words. Matter of fact, for there to be true safety, one of the most important needs is to have the ability to speak. So God understands that. So he creates a place that you can come and you can speak things that some others might get offended of. I, I remember my freshman year in Bible college, Leah and I had just married, and actually it was my sophomore year in Bible college, and we were at church on Sunday, and, and uh, there had been an incredible church service, and the altars were full, and so I, I, I came to the altar and was going to pray with a person that was there. Actually, I was sitting on the platform, and when the altar call was given, I, I stepped off the platform to pray with this particular person. And as I walked up to pray, 
I just felt checked to, to not pray. And I, I stood and listened as, as this person was praying. And as, as she was praying, the words that came out of her mouth, I, I kind of stepped back because I, you know, I, I'd heard or, or thought growing up as a child that, that you could offend God. And some of the stuff she was saying, God had to truly be offended because she was telling God he let her down. He hadn't been there when she needed him. And, and, and she was saying some horrible things. I just kind of stepped back and thought, whoa, I don't, if she keeps talking like this, God just might intervene here. And I don't want to be close enough to see that happen. So I'm backing up. And, 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 and the more she poured out that junk, Tears started running down her cheeks. Finally, she got all that junk out. And, and her last words were, God, I have She was a brand new visitor. She had never been there before. First day in service. And her words were, God, I have no clue what I'm doing here. But I know when I walked by, you kind of directed me in here. So whatever it is that I'm supposed to have or whatever this is supposed to be about, I'm here to get it. And boom, she started speaking in tongues. With nobody praying for her, with nobody laying hands on her, instantly she did, and her face changed, and her face lit up, and and all of a sudden there's a change of of countenance because God is not offended by us in any way. God's bigger than any of us. If if you say something that hurts my feelings, you usually can tell by my appearance. You don't offend God. God's not offended. God knows that for you to be safe, the most important spiritual need is to have the right to express yourself. So he's created this place where you can do that. And he creates spiritual safety. There's physical safety that all of us have to have. If you go to the garden, you'll discover that the fall of the garden was the product of Adam not doing what God asked him to do. God said to Adam, there are two things that I need you to do in this garden. First thing I need you to do is to dress it. And to dress it doesn't mean that, that it was Adam that made it important. That word dress means janitor. It was his job to pick up the dead limbs and, and to make sure the place didn't get cluttered. He gave him the job of keeping it clean. This is your garden, this is your house, don't let it get dirty. Take care of it, Adam, this is yours. I, this is all I'm asking is just keep the place clean. Second job that he said I have for you is I also want you to keep this garden. That word means to guard. It's a military term that's used of soldiers surrounding a city to protect it so the enemy can't come in. So God says to Adam, it's your job, Adam, to make this garden safe. I give you the responsibility of deciding who comes in and who goes out. You guard this garden. And Adam didn't guard it. He let Satan in. Satan could not come without Adam's permission. And Adam let him in. He didn't protect it. We live in a world today where men are not protecting their homes. It's the male's responsibility to keep his 
home safe physically. If it's not safe physically, nobody there can be healthy or whole. It requires that man making sure that he pays attention to the details so that there's no harm or danger that comes. I'm watching these little kids grow up around my house and remembering when their parents were growing up, I, I, I noticed that this safety issue changes with time. It changes by what they can reach for. In the beginning, when they're only so tall, you don't have to worry about things that are above their reach. So safety is defined by the thing closest to the floor. And you, you start putting plastic plugs in light sockets. Why? Because they might find a hairpin and do as Anthony did on a regular basis if he found one on the floor and he found a plug that didn't have a, that was open, he'd stick it in it. And even though it'd shock him and he'd jerk, he'd do it again. And he had an incredibly high pain tolerance. That apparently didn't bother him at all because he'd do it and jerk and so we had to put plastic plugs to make the place safe. You better pay attention to what needs to be safe at your house. Can I just... How do you make your children safe? Well, you better pay attention to what can wreck their lives. You put latches on doors so they can't get into the cleaning agents on the cabinet so that they might drink it or get it in, ingested or cause them problems. And when they're young, you're looking at things that are low to the ground, but as they grow and, and, and the, the needs of life changes, then the safety mechanisms change with it, and there's other things you better pay attention to. And Victoria has no secrets. You better be careful what you allow in your house. Why are our why is the number one problem of young men between twelve and eighteen? Why is it pornography? Do you realize that over ninety percent of all hits on pornographic websites happen? with children between the age of 12 and 18, 90%. And they know that. So what do you do? You better pay attention to safety. Because if you don't, their lives are going to be wrecked, and it only takes one event to change them for life. There are just some things you have to do to make sure your house is safe. And our world says there's no need for any of this kind of safety anymore, that this is not an issue. And, and then all of a sudden we have problems. Your children are going to be introduced to stuff that you weren't introduced to. I don't, I don't ever remember anybody offering me drugs at school. Well, there are a couple of guys that people talked about that uh, at that time were smoking pot. Well, that was just a rumor. You got nine and ten year olds today 
that are dealing it. How did this happen? Our world's no longer safe. Why? Because the dads of our world quit making their homes safe physically. And when the male quits making the home safe physically, it causes the other areas of life to not work as well. Because the third area of safety, the soul, the suke, is the one that's the most delicate and the one that's the most easily damaged. It's easier to damage it than any other aspect of your life. See, our world's lied to us about so many things. I, I remember as a kid hearing this statement on a regular basis, and it the statement was that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You lying devil. You can beat me with a stick and I can recover. You can say words that scar forever. They never go away. They're permanently etched. You'll never get rid of them. I hate you. I wish you weren't born. You're stupid. You're dumb. You can't do anything right. You're just always a mistake. You're going to wind up in jail. And just all these things that hurt and damage. And when you damage the mind, it's, it's easier to heal from cancer than it is some of the things that damage the suitcase. question is, who's responsible for the safety of the mind? God's responsible for physical safety. The father, the husband's responsible for, God's responsible for the spiritual aspect, the husband for the physical aspect, but it only leaves one person left. God didn't create men with this ability to have real incredible emotions. He's got two emotions that control him. Two. Anger and fear. Those are the only two. There's never been a man alive that's truly a man that calls his friend to find out how his kids are doing. If I call my brother... I don't call to ask how the kids are doing. I usually have a problem that, that I need some answers to. And so I'll call him telling him my problem and he'll we'll share information about how to fix the problem and conversation's over. I hear my wife talking to her friends and, and I hear the same question asked on a daily basis. How are the kids today? God didn't create me with that ability. He gave me a job to protect and to be a protector physically. I'm not going to be real in touch with the emotional side of me. So if this home is going to be safe and my world's going to be safe, it's going to require mother to make that home as emotionally safe as it can be because she's the only one who has that ability. See, God gave her this incredible ability to have a child, to nurture a child, to raise a child. My children know that I've got this bad habit. They'll ask me how to do something, I'll show them. They'll ask me again, I'll show them. They ask me a third time, I just do it myself.
I don't have the patience. Go look at public schools. How many men are there teaching? What's the percentage of male teachers in comparison to female teachers? Why? Because men are not good teachers. It's not in our nature. God didn't give us that ability. He gave it to the wife or to the, the mother. She has incredible instincts that give her an ability to communicate. See, my mother, I could walk in the front door and she said, okay, what would you do at school today that you got in trouble? I never walked home or through that front door having been in trouble at school that she didn't ask the question when I got there. I always thought they'd call her. I knew they weren't doing that. She had this incredible ability to know if I was doing something I shouldn't be doing. She could always pinpoint it. We were roughhousing one day and kind of broke a few plants and things, and Mom was off somewhere, and she walked through the front door and just, she didn't even look. She said, all right, what have you been doing? There was a presence there. She read it. She understood it. That's a nature God gave the lady. See, here's, Here's the part of it that makes it difficult. If this church is mother, then it becomes this church's responsibility to make this place as safe emotionally as possible. If it's not a safe place, there's no healing going to take place. Nobody's going to come here and recover and be better and lives are changed because they don't feel safe. And there will never be any form of healing without Absolute safety. You gotta feel safe. You gotta get in an environment where you don't worry about whether or not there's gonna be chaos. So the psalmist said, I both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me to dwell in safety. You're, God, you, you make me safe. And, and, and God made this church as safe as it can be. There's, there's no place you can come that like this place where you can tell God things that will never be repeated to anybody. Whatever you say to Him will always be covered. Nobody will ever have access to it. You'll never be accused by what you confess. God will allow you to confess so that your life can be healed because He's created this place that's safe. But if we keep this place safe spiritually, which God is going to do, then it becomes our responsibilities to make sure it's safe physically and to make sure it's safe for the suitcase. Not what happens. The only way I can know you is to talk to you. It's conversation that opens the door to allow you into my life or me into your life. Without conversation, there will be no connection. And when I can't talk to you, the only thing I can do if we have no communication, because it's communication that builds trust. The more you talk to somebody, the more you trust them. And conversation builds trust. But if you don't have conversation and there's no trust, there's only one replacement for the lack of trust. And that's suspicion. Why did he do that? What's he after? He never acted like that before. She wants something. The fruit 
of suspicion is fear. It is impossible to be afraid without first being suspicious. Without communication, without trust, there, there's no healing. If, if somebody hurts us and we let that wall build and, and, and we stop our, we, we let that thing build and build and it, it starts building a wall that I don't let somebody in, then that, the next thing's going to happen is I'm going to become very critical of them. I'm going to become suspicious of their behavior. And everything they do, I'm going to be looking at through eyes of, of, of what's it for? Why are they doing this? Or what's its purpose? And here's the sad part. The older you get, this doesn't get better. The older I get, I'm not a kinder person. I'm not a nicer person. Now, my nature, because I'm a very introverted person, my nature being a loner and, and, and not connecting to people, my, my nature is to be very pessimistic. But that's the most irritating Irritating thing can ever happen around me. I, I, that's something I can't stand. I I've trained myself. I've worked to make sure I will never be pessimistic. I'm not going to preach you a pessimistic sermon that says there's no way. I'm going to tell you, you can change everything about life and everything can be different because God is in control of the safety of your world, and he's going to make sure you have an opportunity to change anything about your life you choose to change. You just got to choose to do it. You got to take some walls down. The only way you will ever totally be whole is to become absolutely vulnerable because by definition, trust is a risk. You cannot define it without the word risk. To trust somebody, you've got to take a risk, and the risk is they're going to hurt you. So to truly trust somebody, you've got to give them permission to hurt you. That's against our nature, and you've got to work at that. I've got to choose to trust. I got to choose to make sure I create the right environment so lives are changed and lives are not wrecked and 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 lives can become whole. It's easy for me to wreck a life if I want to. I remember in construction if you start a job and walk on to a site where something's just started. The equipment that's used tears things up. A bulldozer, backhoe, sledgehammer. You don't have a finishing hammer or a paintbrush when you start. Everything that's there is destructive. The further along you go, the less destructive the equipment becomes. So from a chainsaw to cut boards when you don't have power to build a farm to pour concrete. When you start framing the house, you can't use a chainsaw because the, the tolerances are not good enough. 
So you got to get a little bit better saw, but you don't have to really worry about whether or not the cut's really square. It, it's it, it, you can eyeball it and cut it, and and if it's close enough, you you don't usually use a a framing square or, or or something to guide the saw to get a straight cut. But the more finished the product becomes, the more delicate the tools are. And before you're through. The things you use are as soft as the bristle of a brush. That's how you finish things. So we got to create an environment where those destructive tools that need to be used when there's things need to be dug up out of my life and getting gotten out of my life, I, there's got to be a safe place. When, when you use a bulldozer or, or, or you're using equipment that's destructive, they usually block it off so people, kids can't run up there and somebody can't get hurt. you got to take measures to make sure it's safe. There's things that need to be done that you got to get things out of life that you have to kind of block things off. And then as things go on and, and, and it, you get closer to the finished product, you don't have to have barricades. You just have to have a little sign that says wet paint. That's life. God's created this incredibly safe place where every one of us, if we, if we can get past that defensive mechanism that just keeps us surviving, we can be whole. You can't have chaos. You can't have manic episodes of depression. You can't have any kind of psychotic or neurotic disorder without chaos. Get the chaos out, all those issues usually go away. So if I make my world safe, if I will physically make sure that nobody at that house is going to be harmed, then my wife is not afraid to make it safe emotionally. And if the two of us work together, we'll raise kids that know who they are. They're not afraid of God. They're not afraid of the world. They'll look at the world and say, yeah, that's not a good place. But that's, I'm just passing through this place. This is not my home. I'm going to another place. This is just a part of the road that gets me there. I, there's a better place I'm going to. And God won't do that for me. He won't do it for you. He'll do his part, but the rest of it becomes our part. And if we make it safe, there's nothing God can't do for us. There's no problems that can't happen. You know, there, there, there's all kinds of tragedy can happen. But when God's made it safe, the tragedies lose their sting. They're not as painful. Why? Because He makes it safe. I'll both lay me down in peace and sleep. Thou, Lord, only makes me dwell in safety. Please stand.